All right, First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 20, and this is actually going to be our last message in the series on First John, our final message. First uh, John chapter 5, we'll look at verses 18 through 20, um, but just as a recap of the last time that we met to look at our series on First John, we noticed the importance of praying for one another as it relates to sin in the church and in the life of a believer. There's not one of us who are perfect, um, and so we need God's grace every day in, in our life. Uh, but we should also be showing that same grace to one another when we sin, uh, when, we, when we fail to live up to the expectation we have as a Christian. We should have a grace and a forgiveness towards one another, but we should be praying for one another um, when there is sin in, in the church. Instead of doing what the devil would like us to do, and that's tearing each other down and, and fighting with one another. And so the first thing that we looked at uh, that John writes about is that there's a sin unto death he, he wrote about, and there's some debate about what he means there. Uh, but, but I believe from the context of the whole letter, it's clear that John is referring to those who, um, who profess to be uh, believers, but then they reject the gospel. In other words, they... He's, John says that they went out from us because they, they weren't of us. They, they weren't saved. They were false converts. They may be believing or putting their faith in the wrong thing or putting on a show and pretending to be a Christian, uh, but then they turn and reject Christ. And it's, so, it's somebody, uh, so the sin that is unto death is the sin of unbelief. It's not receiving salvation. Uh, if somebody lives and dies and never believes the gospel, they, they cannot be saved. They must believe the gospel. They must have faith in Christ. And then we saw that there's a sin not unto death. And um, all sin leads to death ultimately, but he writes about this sin that's not unto death. And this is sin that um, can be forgiven. It's, it's the sins that we commit day by day, but that Christ is, is ready to forgive us of. If we would humble ourselves and confess that sin, uh, the Bible says God, of course, is faithful and he's just to forgive us of that sin. And it's a sin not unto death. Uh, and so we are compelled by John to pray for one another um, when there is sin in the church. Far too often, though, our response is, is to, in shock, um, wonder how can somebody sin like that in the church? They should know better. But if we're honest, sometimes we do that as well. We do things we know are wrong. Uh, and that's when we want our brothers and sisters to pray for us, to, to encourage us, to, to edify us. Uh, instead of tearing one another down. And so we need to show grace to the church family member that has sinned because we need that grace as well. And so that's what we looked at the last time. Tonight, uh, our final message in the series on 1 John. We've covered many topics uh, in this epistle, um, and several of them uh, John is taking great care to reemphasize. We've looked at the idea of sin. We've looked at the idea of unity in the church. We've seen who Christ is and so much more. Uh, but just as a reminder, there are some key reasons that John is writing this epistle. And one of them in the beginning of it 
In ver chapter 1 and verse 4, John writes he, he, that he's writing this, uh, that our joy may be full. And that's God's desire for us, is that we live the Christian life with joy, a joy that is full. We are placed here not to live as grumpy Christians that are miserable and sad, but God wants us to live in joy. We are to be lights in this world. Uh, and one way we do that is by letting our joy uh, shine forth. Another reason he writes this letter um, is that the early church would be reminded of who Christ is. Again, there were heretics in the church that were teaching a false Christ, and they needed to be reminded of who it was that they were serving, of who it was they claimed to believe. And so he was uh, reemphasizing some truths about who Christ is. Uh, and then he also writes this letter to um, let us know that we can know that we are saved, that we can be confident in our salvation because our confidence is in Christ and what he's done for us. Tonight we're going to conclude by looking at a few, uh, three final reminders. John has covered these again, and but he, he recaps them one last time before he closes out this letter. And so these are things that we need to be reminded of. And these are three last things that he points out because they're, they're important. They, they need to be reminded of these before he finishes his letter. And so they're important for us to be reminded of um, as well if we want to have joy in the world. So we're going to see three truths, three things we need to be reminded of this evening. Uh, but let's go ahead and read 1 John chapter 5, <clears throat> verses 18 through 20. And then we'll pray and get into the message. 1 John chapter 5, starting at verse 18, the Bible says, um, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, I thank you for this night that you've given us. And Lord, I thank you for um, the opportunity we have to finish out this series, Lord, and look at your word this evening. I pray that you'd help us, uh, Lord, to be reminded of these truths um, that, we've, that we've studied before. But uh, Lord, help us to be encouraged by them and challenged by them, Lord. Um, to, to know that we, we can know these truths and have a joy that is full in our Christian life. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to put aside uh, distracting thoughts now as we look at your word. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts as only you can do, Lord, and help me to be emptied of self and filled with your spirit. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the first reminder that we have uh, that we're going to look at is our sin's defeat. Our sin's defeat. If you've been saved, sin has been defeated in your life, and we need to be reminded of that. We can have joy in our life as Christians when we understand and we finally realize sin no longer has a hold on us. We may face temptation, we fight against temptation, but if you've been saved, you've been given power and freedom over sin, and you are no longer in bondage to it. We see that in verse 18. He says, we know, uh, we know this, that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Uh, John says, says here that we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. We can be certain of it. It's not something we doubt. 
Uh, but what does it mean to sin not? And we've, we've covered this before in this series. John's not teaching this idea of sinless perfection, that as Christians we can get to the point where we never sin again. We will always have this flesh until we're taken to heaven and we're, uh, we, we leave this uh, body that we have. And so we will always have this old nature uh, that's always tempted. We'll always have these enemies that tempt us, the devil, the flesh, the world. And so we, we know that we are not perfect. And John even says that back in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're liars. We know that we face and fight against sin. Uh, and so the idea of uh, to, to sinneth not here, it's, it's not the idea of sinless perfection, but it's the idea of continuing on in sin uh, habitually as a normal standard practice because we enjoy it, we, f we find it to be pleasing to us. Uh, it's the idea of someone sinning without being bothered by it. It, do it doesn't affect them. Uh, they're not burdened by it. They're not shamed by it. They love their sin. And so he's, he tells us, we know that if whosoever is born of God, they don't have this practice of continuing in sin. Uh, and so, so we know that. We, we know that those who are born of God, meaning they have been saved, uh, they don't live this life of continuing sin. We, we may sin, but we confess that sin. God is faithful and just to forgive us of that sin, and we fight against it. We, we grow in the Spirit. And so uh, we need to walk in the Spirit. Um, and we know that those who are born of God have His Spirit in them and, and gives them the ability to resist sin. And then he says um, in verse 18, uh, after that he says, But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. Uh, keepeth himself. Keepeth there simply means to guard ourselves. Uh, rather than go on in sin, like there's no problem with it, uh, we know that those who are born of God, we, we, we guard ourselves against sin. We, uh, we make preparations to resist sin. We do what we have to do. If we know uh, this certain sin tempts us, we do what we know we have to do to keep us from that temptation. And so we are vigil we're vigilant, we're, cir we're circumspect. And that's the difference between someone who is saved and someone who is lost. A saved person will know that they have that sin nature. They will know sin is wrong and they're going to do uh, what they can to guard against it, to put up some roadblocks, some barriers to resist sin. But somebody who's lost, they, there's no concern. There's no burden about their sin. They, they continue on in their, in their sin. As believers, it's important uh, to know, though, that we are not the ones who ultimately keep ourselves as far as salvation is concerned. We don't. Uh, Christ is the one who keeps us. He is the one who holds our salvation. He's the one who uh, has us, uh, who keeps us secure in the faith. And so Christ is the one who, who keeps us. But we do have a responsibility to resist sin. And so we don't lose our salvation because Christ is the one who secures it. He's the one that holds on to that salvation. And we know that. But also in this verse, we see um, that we know that those who are born again are not touched by that wicked one. You look back at verse 18 at the end there. Um, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Uh, the, the David Guzek, I think that's how you pronounce his name, commentary, had this to say about this phrase. The only other place in his writings where John uses this particular verb 
for touch is in John chapter 20 and verse 17, where he tells Mary to not touch her because he has not yet ascended. It has the idea of Christ saying, don't cling to me. Because we are born of Christ, Satan cannot attach himself to us. He cannot cling to us in the sense he can in the life of someone who is not born again. And so if you've been saved, the devil has no hold on you anymore. He doesn't cling to you. He doesn't have power over you. In fact, we're told as believers, we can submit to God, we can resist the devil, and he will flee from us. And so if you are saved, we need to know, and we do know, because John has written it, that the devil has no power over us. He cannot touch us. He doesn't have a control over us anymore. We have victory over him through Jesus Christ. As saints, we have been delivered from the power of sin in our life. There's no sin that we have to give in to. We, we are not perfect. We know that we, we will not be perfect, but we do not have to give in to sin. And so as saints, we have a duty to run from sin, to resist it. We should not use the grace of God in our life as an excuse uh, uh, to sin more. That is to mock God. And so our, our obedience, it doesn't keep us saved. Christ is the one who keeps us saved. But our obedience to Christ, it sure does help us live a life of faith with God's blessing in our life. God wants us to live obedient lives. And so sin has been defeated. Uh, our enemy has been defeated, and we can know that. We can be certain of that, uh, and we can, we can do that by looking to the promises in God's Word. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 1 through 6 says this, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So he's, he's talking about the believer. We were once dead in our, in our sins. And now verse 2 says, Wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he, hath loved, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you've been saved, you were once in darkness, you were once walking with those who were in darkness, but Christ has pulled us out of that. He's made us sit together with him in heavenly places. We've been delivered, and we can know that, and that's something we can be certain of, and so uh, we, see this, uh, we see our sins defeat. Number two, uh, the second thing John says that we need to remember and that we can be certain of is in verse 19, and that's the saint's distinction. The saint's distinction in verse 19 it says, and we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. So another truth that we know as saints is that we are distinct uh, from this world. We, we're still in this world, but this world is not our home. As we sing, we're just passing through. And so First John writes that we know that we are of God. And that idea uh, has the idea that, that we come from Him. 
and he's, uh, he's referring to our, our new nature, the new birth that we have in Christ. It's, it's from God. God is the one that has given us that eternal life, that new life. And so we are of Him. We belong to God. We are His children. And so if you've been saved, you've been given that new life. It's not something that came from you. It's not something you did, but it was a gift from Christ. And we're made new creatures through Him. So if we're going to grow in our walk with the Lord, we need to realize who we are now. We, again, we're pulled out of darkness. We no longer belong to this world. We belong to Christ, and we need to live as Christians. But John writes here how we also know that the whole world lieth in wickedness. The whole world lieth in wickedness. The, the whole world there is referring to everything in this world that's opposed to the kingdom of God. Everything in this world, this world system, that's opposed to the word of God and and the will of God, it's, this, it's the part of this world that wants us to, uh, to turn away from living for Christ. And so this world and its system lieth in wickedness. It's under the thumb and the influence of uh, the wicked one. Uh, Satan clings to this world and he has control over it. And those who are in it and in bondage to it, they are under his influence. And so this system... The system of this world, we know it's, it's never going to encourage us to surrender ourselves to Christ. You're not going to turn on the evening news and hear a newscaster say, Today, give yourself over to the Lord and trust Him and live for Him and obey Him. The world's not going to tell you to do that. You're not going to turn on Disney Plus or Netflix and hear a show where it encourages you to live for Christ and follow Him. It's just not going to happen. This world is opposed to Christ. And we need to be aware of that, and we know that. And we, we know that as we go through this world, we're in this world, we cannot hide ourselves from it away in a closet. We must live in this world as lights for Christ, but we need to be aware that this world uh, will seek to influence us away from Christ and who we are called to be. And so, uh, and so the Bible, so John reminds us that we are distinct, and we need to live in that distinction. Uh, we are distinct from this world. We are no longer of this world. We have the choice now. Am I going to live for Christ, or am I going to continue to live for this world and its pleasures and its lusts and its sin and, uh, and the things of this world that don't last? Uh, as Christians, though, of course, our desire needs to be to live for Christ. First John 2.19, uh, John warns about those who, uh, who went back into the world because they were not of the church. They were not saved. First John 2.19 says, they went out from us. But they, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. They, they once professed to be a part of the family of God, but now they're in the world and they've rejected Christ and, and their pleasure is in this world. They went out from us, but they were not of us, John says. Uh, and so uh, they, they had not been saved. And so even today, there are many who claim to be Christian, but they're Christian in name only. They, uh, they come to church uh, once a year for Christmas. They say they're Christian, but they do not obey Christ. They have no desire to live for Him. 
there is no evidence of fruit in their life. Tonight, though, if you've been saved, you can know that you are of God. You can know that you belong to Him. You can know that you are distinct. And when we know that, we can be better lights in this world that is dark. And so um, we see uh, the saints' distinction. Finally, we see that we can know that we have a Savior dear, a Savior dear to us. First, verse 20 says this, And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding, that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. The first thing that we know is that the Son of God is come. He's, he's already been here on the earth. Jesus has already come. Jesus is the Son of God, and we know that over 2,000 years ago, He came, and He lived a perfect life, and He gave His life on the cross, and He was buried, and He rose again, and then He ascended to the Father. We know that. We know He has already come. We're not awaiting His first coming. We're awaiting His second coming for when He comes back. Uh, we're, we're awaiting the, the rapture. Uh, sadly, though, there, there are those who are awaiting His first coming. They've missed His first coming, but Jesus has already come. We know that He has come, and He came for us. He came to die on the cross so that we could be saved, so that we could be forgiven, so we could be, uh, become children of God. And, and we know that He has come, and we need to remember that. But John also writes, we know that Christ has given us an understanding, he says, and hath given us an understanding. What's the purpose of this understanding? He tells us, uh, it is that we may know Him that is true. When Jesus came and died, He came not only to save us and bring us to heaven, but He came so that we could have a relationship with Him, so that we can know Him as we're here on this earth. Uh, some look at salvation as a uh, ticket uh, to heaven, as fire insurance from hell, and salvation does take us to heaven, but salvation is also for here on the earth while we await that time. Salvation is for our day-to-day -day life as believers. Uh, God's grace is for every day of our life. And so salvation encompasses uh, this whole new nature that we have in Christ. And a part of that is relationship with Him, this understanding. And we can have that understanding. We can know Christ. We can know Him. Our Savior can be dear to us. He doesn't have to be some idol uh, that's why John closes out this letter in verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Why would we worship an idol that can do nothing for us when we have a Savior who has done everything for us? When we have a Savior who has given His life for us, we can know Him. That is true. Because we are in Him. The early church was dealing with a lot of heresy. They were dealing with a lot of people who were teaching false Christ. And they were dealing with those who were trying to lead the church astray. But John wanted them to know that they could know Christ uh, and have a relationship with Him. Because Christ is true. He will not lead us astray. He will not lead us down a path of lies. We can trust His Word. We can cling to it. We can hope in it. We can live by it. We can be assured by it because He is true. But the devil wants to get us away from His Word. The devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. And so we need to be in the truth. We need, to, we need to walk with Christ. I think about all that the devil offers us and tells us will bring us joy. We know that John is writing this so that we could have a Christian joy that is full. Well, the devil will offer a counterfeit to that joy. And it's the devil's joy. 
which is a lie. Uh, the devil will wrap up a package of temptation that looks good, but there's always a hook to that temptation. There's always a hook to that sin. And it will lead us to places we do not want to go and that, uh, are, that, that will ruin us if we continue in it. And so we need to know uh, that if we've been born again, that we can know Christ and we can be in Him. And we need to yield to Him and yield to His Spirit. What an encouraging final note, though. Uh, if you look back at verse 20, he says, um, that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. What an encouraging final note to remind us that we belong to Christ, that we are in Him, and we can see growth in our life. As we live by faith, we become more like Christ. Can you look back on your life from the day of your salvation to now? Can you look back and see a growth? Can you look back and see how you are becoming more and more like Christ and bearing more fruit in your life? There should be that growth. It may be different for, for each of us, but there will be a growth. There will be fruit. Finally, John comments that Jesus is the true God and eternal life. We looked at it a few weeks ago in a morning service. Uh, but the very last words, again, he says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Uh, and, and so, again, why would we serve these fake idols made by our hands uh, when we can serve the true God who has given us eternal life and has made us with his hands? Uh, how much greater is that, that we get to serve Christ and we are in him who has made us? And so what do we know? What do we know? We know three things. Uh, as, as John has reminded us here this evening, we know first that um, if we have been saved, sin has no power over us. And we do not have to live in darkness. We can overcome it when we walk in the Spirit. And, and we have uh, overcome through Christ. We can know that. We also know that we are of God. We are not of this world. We belong to Him. This world is filled with darkness and we are in this world but we are not of this world. We've been rescued from it. We know that. And when we know that, we can shine as lights for Christ. And finally, we know that we are eternally secure in Christ. And we need to know that. I don't think we'll have joy in our life as Christians if we do not know that we are secure in Christ, if we do not know that we belong to Him. As long as we doubt our salvation, we're going to lack that joy. But we can know that. We can know that we are in Him. Do you know these truths tonight? If you know them, then you know this joy. You know this joy that John writes about. If you do not know them, it's not too late. You can be saved. You can know that you belong to Christ. You can know that you're saved, that you are delivered from sin if you would put your faith in Christ alone and trust in Him. It's not too late to have this joy that John writes about. I hope this series has been a challenge to us to grow in joy by knowing Christ by obeying Him, by living for Him. That's what God wants for us to have is joy. And, uh, and so we need to be reminded of these three truths this evening, uh, of what we know. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank You for this day.